Today, we continue my conversation with this Naked Mind senior coach, Mike Shannon. This is part two, and I can't wait to share it with you. Michael, hit it. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi there, this is Susie, and you're listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast. Here at the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, we talk about professional development topics, and we talk about personal development topics. We usually work with senior leaders and internal and external consultants. Our focus is creating this high-commitment, low-drama, wake-up-eager workforce and creating a wake-up-eager life. Uh, We want to help everybody make good decisions about their people, about themselves. We want to grow self-awareness and other awareness, have people reach their full potential. A lot of work we do every day for internal and external consultants is around our certifications. We also help senior leaders make great decisions in hiring. And then once they use some of the tools we have for hiring, we show them how to use them throughout the employee life cycle, onboarding, team building, leadership development, succession planning, and conflict resolution. So we love the work we do. Appreciate you tuning in. I love creating this podcast and having these kind of discussions. I had a great discussion with Mike Shannon. The topic of today is, it's episode 105, part two, and it's dry January for the sober curious with Naked Mind Coach Mike Shannon. To get access to the show notes, you can go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash sober curious. And then you will see exactly what we cover in this episode. And we're going to continue that discussion. Let's go there now. You know, I like sober curious. And you said you like the word curious as well. But that other thing that your group seems to, and I've looked at some of uh, Annie Grace's material, and I think in your, on your website too, is examining your relationship with alcohol. I like that language because that is like, yeah, because you don't have to assume that everybody's an alcoholic. I mean, it's like, if it's black or white, then it's like, okay, that's not the case, but maybe I need to check my relationship with alcohol. Mm -hmm. You know, that is helpful. Yeah. And and, and that's actually one of the sort of the the techniques or the ideas. One of the things that I like to present to people is, you know, think of alcohol, like a toxic relationship, like a physical Mm -hmm. human toxic relationship. Think of the people in your life that have come into your life that you know, maybe they were your best, your, they were your best friend uh, years and years and years ago, but things have transitioned. You know, you're married, you have kids now. They didn't marry. They don't have kids now. It's like things have changed, right? Their situ- the dynamics have changed. And now maybe that person is somehow a ne- has, has taken on a negative impact in us. We all have people in our lives that, you know, drain us energetically, right? And there's this idea of who are we giving our power up to and who's draining our energy. And I like to talk in those terms as well. And so if we think about it in the context of alcohol being like a toxic a toxic ex relationship, right? And and, we, and you can think about it like maybe an ex boyfriend or an ex girlfriend or an ex relationship that you have. You know, as we get further and further away from it, you know, things like fading effect bias kick in, where we only think of the good times, right? And we do that with alcohol too. We'll think, well, maybe it wasn't so bad. You know what? Uh, maybe it wasn't so bad. We forget about the yeah. recent. You know, we forget about the all the the bad stuff. And so using that, you know, is again, is it really serving us? Is it you know, is it or is it like a mistress or like a, sec- a secondary relationship that's sort of taking us away from the people that we might want to be focusing our energy onto the people who are closest to us. And right. for me, you know, I used to go off in the basement with a bottle as opposed to sitting on the couch and talking to my wife. And that 
you know, that's yeah. in, a, in a nutshell, you know, I was having an affair with this, with this bottle in the basement. And yeah. so uh, looking at it through that yeah. lens, I think that's really, uh, you know, that's a powerful visual for me when I, when I talk to people around who are the people that are important in your life and how is that thing in this case, this inanimate object, but this relationship, you know, drawing impacting impact. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a wonderful, you've got great analogies and visuals. So this is wonderful. How can we best support a loved one or family member? That is having a challenge. Uh, that's a great question. We've talked and, a little bit about it, yeah, but yeah, what would you say? And, and again, this is this is it's, it's an inherently dissatisfying answer. But simply to be there for them, we can't make somebody stop drinking. And if there's, and especially if there's somebody like like I was, and you go up to them and give them an ultimatum, it may actually drive them under, further underground. It may actually make them drink more, or you know, it may actually be counterintuitive to the react to the result that you're hoping to achieve. And so. What I've found, and this is not just around my alcohol journey, but around and just dealing with other people's situations when they come to you, you know, and and or other people are dealing with with problems, is creating an an authentic, a safe place for them to land, right? A place a place where they can bring, you know, where you're not going to judge them, where you're going to remove any conditions from anything they say, which can be really challenging, especially around when we're talking about people who are in the, who are maybe drinking, and and obviously have you know this cost associated with that. Listening to them, asking and and only providing the support that they explicitly ask for. Because as I mentioned before, you know, giving a book to somebody and saying, "I think you need to read this," that's just heavy judgment. <laughs> Does it feel? It feels yeah. like it feels like it's a gift that you're trying to give you to them. You think you're helping, but you're not. I've learned that through coaching and stuff. If they're not asking. I'm not giving. Yeah, they're the only ones yeah. that can change, and they have to want to change, right? They have to. They have to discuss. They have to come to a place where. Yeah, you know what? I need to change, and need and want, and you know, I like to change people's language around. You know, I should, I need, I have to, I want, as opposed to you know, want, want is a, is a, is the lightest of all of those. But you know, I get to because when it comes to me, and I have an awareness of you know, I get to do this, right? As opposed to I have to do this because for a lot of people, when they when they go down this journey, it's like somebody has told them you have to stop drinking. Maybe it's been court ordered. Right? Maybe it's maybe it's actually been imposed upon yeah. them that they have to do it, but. Taking that and reframing it, and the people that I think really, really find value and have success on this journey that I've discovered and I've worked with are the people that say, you know what, everything that happened got me to this place right now. I'm still here. I've learned a lot. And I want to just take all of that information and kind of give it a big handshake and say, thank you. Thank you for your time. But I'm here now and I'm going to go forward and I'm going to make changes that are in alignment with where I want to go. And again, that comes from and that's that's going to be individual that's going to be individual for everybody and i know some people we really want them to be you know on the same arc as us like i want i wish all my friends didn't drink i mean i i, I could say that but then you know there's this aspects of that that that, are, uh, that have distruth to me as well or are untrue to me as well um you know but alcohol is going to be around it's always going to be there it, right there's too much economy around it there's too much money uh it's just it's it's so entrenched in our society and so allowing people a safe place, a place, and also modeling an alternative. Because as I mentioned before, that was something I never had from my parents. Both of my parents drank. I didn't have a parent that didn't drink that could say, well, you know, how does dad deal with stress and anxiety without alcohol? You know, I thought that was the only way you dealt with it. So creating an alternative, being a, being a place for them to land, being a, a voice, you know, a place where they can speak openly and freely without judgment and shame and blame, but also modeling an alternative that, you know, you can live life. You can do the hard things. You can experience devastating, you know, grief. I mean, my dad died suddenly as I was approaching one year and I, I pushed through it. And it was one of the, it was one of the hardest times of my year with everything else that was, ha- or my life that was happening at that time. But also made me so much stronger, and I found so much ultimate benefit from that. And again, 
you know, letting people come to that and recognizing that and just being a support for them without sort of getting into it with them. Cause like that's, that's yeah. as, as you, as you've talked about and as I talked about for a lot of people, that's actually going to have the opposite effect. Yeah. It's going to push them to it more. Yes. That's awesome. So let's jump in. We'll, we'll touch more on this because we're going to talk about some things about you and that I think that'll unveil some more information about the subject. We have a that segment that we do about wake up eager segment about your strengths. Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved seeing your strengths. And according to the audience of uh, colleagues and friends that are listening that take our assessments, you know, that your number one driver, according to the assessment was high theoretical, which is I love to learn. And your second was uh, I love to be of service and you scored passionate being of service. And then your least interest is to have to be kind of revealed that you love to give selflessly of your time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'd like to give freely of your time. You're not all about what's the return on investment for me. You know, you take right. the opposite. Yeah. And then your this style is I, I love I can talk and share. It's more people centric, but you're also analytical, too, in your behaviors. So. When you took the assessment and we I shared just shared some notes around what it said about you, you know, what insights did you have? I know you've you've done a lot of this as a coach and you know, kind of what what did you take out of any of that? Yeah, and first of all, I want to I want to thank you for, for providing that because it's it's invaluable. And as I think uh as I was thinking about this and when I went through it, I thought about like how differently how or how different it is. Now, had I done this assessment back when I was, when I went before I started out on my coaching journey, before I started out on this journey around alcohol back in 2014, 15, 16, I think it would have been so much different. I think it would have been, I, I, can't, I can't predict where it would have ended up because, you know, I, I don't want to sort of go to that step. But when I, when I read the, when I read it, it was, yeah, that just shows like the metamorphosis, the transformation, the change that this journey, that this, this exploration, this experiment, you know, this, this curiosity, all of the things that I've talked about, you know, how much it's fundamentally changed me as a person, not just, not just changed my relationship with alcohol and the behavior around drinking, but it's changed the way fundamentally I view the lot, my view the world around me. And I use this in my coaching when I talk about, you know, people like me who have, and, and, you know, who have glasses. And, you know, if, if I take my glasses off, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to see your name on the screen or anything like that. And I would probably be kind of be like this, but as soon as I put my glasses on, everything comes into focus and everything becomes clear. And I think that's kind of the, that's the way I look at this is I was walking through life without my glasses on, like with, and I, and basically I just had this vision, looking at it through a different lens now. And it just, it's a totally different world and things. And it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And I want to get, I really, and sometimes when I get talking about this, people are like, Oh, it sounds like he's just, you know, he's making all this up and it's all really, really positive. And, it, yeah. it, it's like, you know, it's almost toxic positivity at that stage because it's almost too positive. It's yeah. not. It's, and, and it's, and, and yeah, I, I can totally, and it's, I think it just came out of my assessment that, you know, when I, you know, I can be oversharing and I can be really, you know, I can be really exuberant about things when it matters to me, when I get excited about it. Well, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, because for the people that are around me, I get excited about life right now. I get excited about waking up in the morning and seeing and going into a day, not knowing what's coming. I used to be very, you know, I, I wanted things to be cookie cutter. I wanted Monday to be the same as Tuesday, to be the same as Wednesday, to be the same as Thursday. And my routine, and you know, I'd, I'd sit on the same place on a, on my commuter train, and I'd, I'd buy my coffee at the same place, and I, you know, it was all routine. Whereas now, I look at blowing apart all those routines and saying, you know what, I've never lived, and, I, and this is another thing I use in my coaching. I've never ever lived like we're recording this on December the twenty first, twenty twenty three. I've never, I've never lived this day in my life before. 
So I can go back and take some, you know, some past experiences and some past knowledge, but it's brand new. Like this is, and, and, you know, the old dog, new tricks idea, but I get to, I get to live a new day and experience a new thing that I've never done before every single day of my life. And that, if that doesn't bring excitement to somebody, you know, and to think, you know, some people will get, well, we trepid, we'll have some trepidation around that because they want that continuity. They want that, that's that escalator, so to speak, right? They just want the nice, easy going off into the distance, but that's not me. And it used to be, but it's not anymore. And I think, I think this assessment really brought that out. Yeah. And so, you know, you're taking knowledge and you're helping people and, and you're, you know, the high social altruistic that scores passionate wants to remove pain and suffering in the world. Yeah. And so wants to spend your time doing that. And so what I see is such beauty in that. And you, when we were talking before we started, you said your father was a doctor. So he was probably a man of service Mm -hmm. Um, and your mother was a teacher and she was probably a woman of service. So you, you know, you came into that honestly, but now what you do every day matches your, what puts gas in your tank, what motivates you, what drives you. And so it's like, the way you were expressing that your vibrancy and you know just being able to be of service to people and like you said if i can just help one person that's that's that mother teresa energy you know in regard to i want to remove pain and suffering in the world and i have this knowledge that if you're asking i want to share right yeah and without, without preaching it right and that's the other side of it yeah. too and, and yeah, that, yeah, i don't hear any preachy because no. and which once again that's another part of my transformation because when I remember when I first in those first six months when I first stopped drinking you know I became an alcohol evangelist I was you know thou shalt not right and basically I would go into conversations and I would introduce myself people would say hey Mike how you doing well I stopped drinking four months ago and you should too and it was kind of that you know over the top yeah. and and meanwhile and they're standing there with a beer in their hand and the look on their face told me everything I needed to know about how that was going over with them at that point yeah. And I think Annie Grace talked about that in her journey, her journey too, that she kind of sent out an email to everybody saying, hey, everybody, I'm sober and you should be too. It's it's not going to resonate with most people that I would have deleted that email really quickly back in the day. Yeah. Right. And so bringing it with an idea that, you know, this isn't for everybody. I totally acknowledge this isn't for everybody. Right. Not everybody's going to be at, at that stage of their life. Not everybody's going to be at that period where they're starting to answer those questions. So maybe they haven't, you know, I think of a kind of a seesaw, like we start out with a, uh, we start out with a vision where, or we start out in our life where we have, you know, we're blissfully unaware. Like we, there's no downside to drinking when we're in our teenage years and we only see the positives. Right. Everything's great. Over time, you know, as we age and we get older and the hangovers get a little heavier and, you know, our body starts to change in ways we don't like because of a little too many, a few too many beers and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it promotes added fat, which is one good reason not to drink. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it starts <laughs> yeah. to bring, it starts to bring it into alignment. I think of like the seesaw effect so, or, or the teeter totter effect where, you know, all of a sudden your, your two reasons to drink and not to drink are kind of going up and down on a daily basis. And it's kind of almost like a fun house you're kind of feeling that and over time you know that's that's the real that's that's the, the we call it cognitive dissonance with this uh, in this naked mind but that's the really uncomfortable part of it that's when you're aware that's where awareness really kind of sucks <laughs> right because you, you yeah. become aware of something it's like oh man i wish i didn't learn that right because now and, yeah. and, and every day you're if having i didn't this, know that i wouldn't feel bad about it while i'm doing it <laughs> exactly yeah and, and that's yeah. and so yeah. and, and so part of the process is is in that and it takes everybody a different period of time to get to that teeter-totter point right and when you have that and you start to ask those questions that's when the discomfort gets to a point where okay i i need to address this and i really want to address this or as i used to say i that's when you get to address it 
Some people are never going to get to that point. They're always going to see, you know, and some people will be, we call them gray area drinkers and they're on the low end of that where they can take it or leave it. And they never have, you know, never have, you know, DUIs, never have, you know, rock bottoms or whatever you want to call them. And they just go through life happily drinking and, you know, people envy them, but people who who don't experience that often envy those people. But I actually don't because they don't get to this point where they get to do the work that I've gotten to do in the last few years. And to explore this because, you know, we're not taught this in elementary school. We're not taught this in school. This is something that, you know, we, we almost, it's a journey of self-discovery for a reason because, you know, we have to be at the right stage of our life, the right mental place, the right, be ready to explore this. And, you know, so that's why I look at this as, a, as an incredible gift every day because I get to do this every day as opposed to I have to do this every day. And, I, you know, I wonder if, you know, the, we remove the toxins out of our body, you know, if we just get to thinking more clearly and feeling more clearly. So, you know, the dystopia or whatever that, you know, that feeling of dullness kind of goes away uh, yeah. is what you're describing, too. You know, it's like yeah. eureka, you know, clarity. Yeah, I think of it kind of like a fog lifting. It's like driving along it. Once again, I, and I and you, and you did call me out. I am actually I'm a huge analogy fan. Like I use analogies, and it's it's part of the way that I You're take good at it. Part, part of the way I take really complex ideas and bring them down into sort of visuals that people can. That's part of what I do in my coaching. But the same one for this is it's, it's like driving along a foggy road and at night, and all of a sudden the fog lifts, right? And sometimes you'll have these if you're ever in an area with sort of up, yeah. up, up with hills, you'll sort of come over a hill and it'll be really foggy, and then you'll go down and it'll be clear again. And it's kind of that. It's like as I said with the glasses and the lens, the same idea that you know sometimes we're just we're just driving in the fog, and yeah, yeah. we're dri- we're driving and we're getting where we're going. But imagine if the fog lifted, right? And just imagine if we had that capacity to you know, and and it, it can be sometimes you know seeing a more as I mentioned, awareness can be a double edged sword. Sometimes seeing something in higher definition. I remember when high definition televisions first came out, and all of a sudden you're watching you're watching like green grass, you know, re, like waving in the breeze, and everybody's like, oh, you that's just so stand cool. there and watch it. Like, oh, how cool is that? Right. Yeah, now we but, expect but then, it, but yeah. And then yeah. you turned on the six o'clock news and you saw the, every blemish on your on, on your six o'clock newscaster's face. You're like, oh, no, I don't want to see that. Right? <laughs> you know, it, it comes the good oh, and the bad. There we right? go. It comes good with both analogy. sides. Right. So, yes. again, you take the good with the bad and you sort of uh, you move through it. That's awesome. So talk a little bit about who's most influenced you in your life and things that they said or did that helped you. Sure. Yeah. This, I mean, obviously more, and I have a recency bias, obviously, you know, Annie, um, Annie Grace and her, and her, her opening up this new way of thinking, but there were a lot of people, I mean, in many ways, you know, I think back about my parents, obviously my mom and my dad and the lessons that they taught me, not only, you know, a lot of it was masked because of, you know, I had a lot of resentment around my parents because of their drinking and because of being the oldest of three and a lot of things around that. But the lessons that I learned from them, I now look back and think, wow, you know, now that I have the clarity around, you know, them doing, as I said before, doing the best you can with the tools you have, right? Reframing their, my upbringing, which, which was not, you know, tragic by any means. I mean, I I was, my dad, my dad was a doctor. I was never want, you know, I, I never had to, you know, I mean, but I also was brought up in a very conservative household, which is an honest days or an honest days work for an honest days pay. So, you know, I, I wasn't given anything. I had to get a job when I was 15 and earn my paper, you know, earn my money with a paper route and things like that. So a lot of that yeah. aspect. Of, so I learned a lot of, you know, valuable lessons there. But I also look back now and I think of, you know, just my mom actually stopped drinking 15 years before she passed away. And so I think back of that, you know, that just that, that knowledge and that as a, this is a, you know, it could be done. Right. I, if my mom can do it, I can do it. Right. So I learned some lessons. Yeah. From that. Well, um, that planted a seed years yeah, ago. Didn't, 
Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and on a more professional basis, um, I had a couple of mentors when I was working in, in my in my biotech in background. Um, and a couple of them used to talk to me about mirror, about, you know, watch this person and think of them as a mirror to what you're doing. And they just kind of point point to me just to give me an idea of something I was doing just to bring awareness to that. And as soon as I was aware of it, again, I couldn't become unaware of it. And it was like, whoa, that person's really annoying. And they'd look at me like, yeah. <laughs> and so it gave me that idea. Like, now yeah, it's clicking in, isn't it? I'm like, okay, I get it. Thanks for the, I thanks get for, it. Yeah. Rather than telling me you shouldn't do that, it was just watch that person over there. What do you think of that? He goes, oh, that's really annoying. It's like, well, you do that every day. Like, gotcha. Right. That idea of, mirror, <laughs> that idea of mirror, mirroring and becoming aware of things. Yeah. And this, this feeds right into uh, something that, you know, I've also done some work on not to get too far off track here, but, you know, things like shadow work, Carl Jungian work and looking at your, yeah, your, your internal yeah. darkness and the light in the darkness and the the gift in the shadow and all of that. Sometimes you need to look at, at things that you don't like to look at in order to, to to pull something from it that's going to be really valuable. And so, um, yeah, yeah, sort of along the way, lots, lots of a couple of examples there. Self-awareness is is a gift and it's a journey. So. That's awesome. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, waking up eager. That's where you've, you, you've exemplified that in so many things that you've talked about today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of things that you're doing right now or uh, most recently around mind, body and spirit that are contributing to this glow that you have and that you verbalized today. Oh, sure. Well, physical point of view, obviously, a good night's sleep is essential. So anything that you can do to get that and you, you know, sleep better now that you have no alcohol in your system. Did you, oh, do you notice it? hundred percent. Yeah. I yeah. I have noticed that. And, and I used to, I, I used to drink to get to, to go to sleep. Like I, and, and my drinking routine is to sort of put a little background. I, I would start drinking around nine o'clock. Cause that's when my, my wife would go to bed. Cause she was getting, she'd get up at four 30 in the morning. I get up. Well, I'd actually get up before her. She'd get up at five. I get up at four 45. Yeah. But I would, I would start drinking at nine o'clock and it would put me out and it would help me to sleep. And so my sleep patterns for decades were so messed up, right? Because if I couldn't sleep, what did I do? I went down and had a drink and it would knock me out. And so, you know, learning to, you know, learning that, you know, and, and a lot of this, I learned, I take a lot of, a lot, a lot of my, my cues. We, we, back in 2020 during, during the pandemic, we got a couple of kittens, a couple of COVID kitties. And I know I, I take a lot of my cues around life from them right now. Like, and then, and just sort of the simple cues that, you know, when they're tired, they go to sleep. Right. When they're, yeah. when, when they're, you know, and it doesn't, doesn't matter if it's three in the afternoon, if I have a couple of hours and I'm feeling tired, I'll go, have a, I'll go have a power nap. Right. And obviously working from home now, I can sometimes do that. But at night too, if, if it's seven o'clock at night and it's like, oh, it's seven o'clock, I can't go to bed yet. Who says I can't go to bed yet? If I have to get up at seven in the morning and I want to get, you know, I'm going to, maybe I'll, you know, have a good wind down routine, go to bed at eight or nine at night, as opposed to going to bed at 11 or 12 when I used to, you know, good sleep patterns obviously are really, really important. Yeah. You know, obviously so diet, sweet. exercise, the, the usual, yeah. the usual stuff, right? To, and from, from, yeah. a, from, from a physical point of view to give you that energy, because I think of energy like a battery. And once again, another analogy, you know, you wake up in the morning, like your phone battery, if you forget to plug your, your phone in at night, right? You wake up in the morning and your battery's at 40%. It's like, ah, oh, I have to get through the day with 40% battery. But if you charge it and you get a good night's sleep and you wake up at, at 80 to 100%, you know, you're much more, you're going to have a lot more battery left as the day goes on. And a lot of people who struggle with alcohol, generally they have the, you know, the five o'clock wine, which are around five o'clock. And that's you know, after a day of decision-making fatigue kicks in and, you know, where a lot of things have happened, you just don't have any energy left. Your battery is in the red zone at that time of day. So, so we, we have a tactic called staying above 
which is an idea where you, uh, you know, if you feel your battery kind of my, my mom always used to keep her gas tank at 50% to the point that if I ever brought her car home and it had like a quarter tank, I had to actually go out and yeah. fill it up to at least half a tank. That was just, that was yeah. her, that was her rule. And I, yeah. and I, I sort of use that as an exa- example as well, kind of keeping, keeping your energy level above a certain point. As with regards to mindfulness and coming to sort of the, the, the sort of the emotional regulating your emotions and realizing that your emotions are actually, we call them check engine lights. The idea that, you know, it's kind of, they're telling you something when you get emotional about something, when you feel anxious about something, when you feel sad about something, look at it as to why. And once again, that big question, you know, ask why, why am I feeling sad about that? And it, it's, yeah. it's, and if it's, if it's a loss, if it's something I haven't achieved, if it's something that matters to me, that's a beautiful thing. That's actually a really good place to mind for, you know, these thoughts and beliefs and things that you might want to under- uncover if they're no longer serving you. And using our emotions as, as sort of the, the first stage rather than trying to mine back into our and say, Hey, what am I thinking about? How, or what are my beliefs here? But using your emotions to sort of, uh, just to be, cause, cause quite simply, we don't, we don't get emotional about things we don't care about. Right. If we're ambivalent, if we're ambivalent towards something, if something doesn't bring up anything in us, there's no emotion. We don't care about it. Right. And we can, we all have things in our life that, you know, if if you're not into, you know, reality TV, you don't really care who wins their next reality TV show. Right. If you're not into a, if you're not a sports fan, you don't care about sports. But if you are a sports fan or if you are into reality TV, you know, you have a real emote, you get really emotional about it because it matters to you and you make it mean something and you go down that road. And so. Using your emotion and and realizing uh, that I, I like to coach around one other thing too, which is you know as we go forward on this journey, identifying where we get emotional, where our emotions are coming from. What that's going to do is that's going to raise our tolerance for discomfort, right? We're going to become more comfortable with discomfort, right? Simply, and yeah. in doing that, that's going to also lower the emotional intensity we feel about things. And those two things in concert with each other are going to bring you into a space where things are more. It doesn't solve anything, but it's going to make things far more manageable in the big picture. And that brings peace. That brings, you know, that's going to allow you to sleep better. That's going to feed into all the other things. And, uh, you know, that that's sort of, and also I guess the last part is just listening to your body, listening, you know, listening to your thoughts, listening to what your body is telling you. Is your stomach grumbling? Is it because you're hungry? Because you're anxious? Because you're nervous? Because you're, you know, butterflies, whatever it is, processing it and using your body. It's a beacon. It's going to tell you all you need to know. And uh, really coming into into alignment with that. And again, this is not once again not to sound too woo woo about that, but just kind of that that whole idea of just you know, I mean, I'm a scientist. I want analytical evidence, so I actually go, yeah, my shoulder's a little sore. I wonder what's going on there, and then I'll go into exploring as to why, as opposed to ignoring it or yeah. muscling through or stuffing it down. Yep. There's More. nothing woo woo about any of that. It's 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 like being present. And it's like yeah. I'm going to be present with whatever's happening, and I'm not going to judge it. And I'm going to let it kind of flow through and I'm going to use it to my benefit as opposed to numbing ourselves out. It's hundred percent. Yeah. And and again, numbing, escaping, you know, those, those, yeah. You know, and we do that. And I tell people, you know, when, when they, they start to get really negative about themselves, I mean, to me, that's an act of self-love. Like you're trying to protect yourself. And that's yeah. the part of it that, again, when you start to come around Don't to judge it, you yourself realize, for judging yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're actually, it's okay too. You're yeah. doing exactly what your what your program, what your brain is programmed to do. It's self preservation. I mean, why would we drink this stuff for thirty years if it wasn't good for us? If we didn't need it, like water and air, right? Yeah. That we've convinced ourselves that it's an essential component of life, and so it's going to take some time for us to disassociate that and and to challenge those thoughts and beliefs. And that's okay. We got lots of time. Yeah, and the thing is too about what's so interesting is once you start acknowledging what you're really feeling and like being honest with yourself, 
it all changes. Like it doesn't, it's not the big gremlin that we think it is, you know, it's like it becomes less of a, a gremlin in our life and it just moves through us. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's wonderful. I love that. That's how you coach. And, you know, back to how you, who you are to me, I'm like, you're the best kind of coach. Like if I, if I were to hire a coach, I'd want someone like you who has the knowledge that's the theoretical on the driver and then has the heart for service. So you scored social altruistic, passionate. So right. it's like, you really want to be with people, you know, and then that's, that's just beautiful. Yeah. And again, this is when you, when you say that, I mean, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for that. But it, it just goes back to, you know, who am I? Like, I don't know who I am when I hear people describing me that way. And it's like, you know, who is, who is this guy? Cause you know, like I said, five or six years ago, my, my assessment would have been completely different. But again, that's this call to serve. That's just, just recognizing this gift that I have and this ability to really translate and to, to, to share it with people. And, um, again, it's, it's amazing when you can get to a, if you get to do something every day of your life that brings that kind of joy and happiness and contentment and satisfaction and all the things. And it's, uh, again, I, as I tell people, you know, I get high doing two things, going to concerts, Live music, and not just because of secondary smoke, but going to look at the actual energy yeah. in those shows, the actual um, vibe of it. Yeah, and then yeah. the second thing is coaching. I mean, because I, I I have yet to come up a coaching call or something like this, or doing an interview with somebody where I haven't had like, okay, I'm, let's go. It's like it just motivates, and I'm actually on an adrenaline run at the end of it. So it's uh, it is yeah. it's a natural high, and it's the best kind. That's what happens when what we're doing matches who we are. Yeah. I agree. And, and, and I would posit that you were always high theoretical and social altruistic and you always brought that to your work. It's just that your work didn't fully utilize it like your work is today and your life experience and all of that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you, you didn't become social altruistic out of the blue that that was there within you all along. And it's just now being fully realized, you know, in this work you're doing. So it's beautiful with that. What advice would you give your 25 year old self? Oh, that old question. I love it. Yeah. 25-year-old self, I would probably say stick to your gut, like listen to yourself more than your, because you cultivate a beginner's mind. Because at 25, I thought I knew everything. You know, I just gotten a graduate yeah. degree. I was entering into the world. I had, I thought I had it all figured out and just, you know, really challenge that, push back on the fact that you don't know anything and, you know, really get extended, continue to experiment, you know, drive yourself with that motivation that gets you, you know, that, that desire for knowledge, as we talked about, you know, really embrace yeah. that and really, you really uh, carry forward on that. And, and cause I don't think I did. I think when I was 25, I kind of went into autopilot. I thought I had all the answers. I had it all figured out. Right. I had, a, I had some degree, I had, a, I had a master's degree at that point. I had that behind me, you know, I was married. I had that part of it. The relationship part was figured out. I was like, you know, just brushing my hands together and going, yep, I'm all set. Let's go. Right. Put and it I in kinda, neutral, maybe a little bit, a little you bit. Think you, yeah. 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 And then, yeah. and so going back and kind of saying, you know, dude, you haven't started, you haven't even started on this journey yet. You have so much to come and, you know, just, and, and again, part of it is also what I would do to that 25 year old is give him a big, a big hug because that's what he needed right then. Right. And that part of it, looking back at it now, it's just, yeah, I can, I can still do that. Cause I mean, that's me. Right. I know that I know, I know that person. I, I see that person in those photos. I know how I felt. So I'm thinking, you know, there's a part of me that I could judge that person for not knowing better at that point and not having the knowledge that he might've had or maybe making some poor decisions along the way. But, you know, I look at it now as, you know, that, that person existed and now this person exists and they're the same person. So I can't, because be, of that I, person. <laughs> I can't, I can't be mad at him. I can't judge him. I mean, he made some mistakes, yeah. but those mistakes led me to where I am today ultimately. So, yeah, I love that. I got a little emotional when you said I'd give him a big old hug. It's like, yeah. Oh, you know, and that's what we, we can do. We can do for those around us when we can 
just look for the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. If you could put a billboard anywhere for the world to see, Mm -hmm. where would you put it and what would it say? Ah, again, I love these sorts of questions. And this is, once again, taking it back to the sort of those earlier days and what I would think would be the most beneficial to me at that stage. I would put up a billboard in every elementary school in the world for people who are age, you know, seven to 14, 13, 14, that said, don't fear failure, embrace failure. And I think for a lot of people, we're taught from a very early age, you know, an F is a bad thing. An F is a fail. Right. Even a C for some people is, 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 is a horrible thing. And we're taught you have to achieve. You have to go poor. You have to always get, but you have to always achieve A's and B's and C's and get the thing and get the school and get the, get the, get your first choice with everything in life. And I think for, for me, that puts so much pressure on me throughout my life. And it drove me to being a perfectionist in many ways. And, you know, perfection is unattainable. There is no such thing as perfection. Perfection is a, a state. Right. I, I agree. I could argue right now I've achieved perfection in my life just by making perfection where I am. <laughs> and so I, I guess there's two aspects to it. One is fail sooner, which I think if people, some people out there, I know there's a lot of people, you know, some, some of the greatest inventions in the world have been, you know, the 30, you know, I think the Dyson vacuum is the one that everybody pulls out and everybody talks about. It's like the 25th, 2500 prototypes before he finally found the one that worked. Oh, wow. I didn't you know, know that. There's yeah. example. There's examples of this. You know, Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken, and the, you know, WD four WD forty was the fortieth recipe around water displacement. That's why it's called WD forty. That thing that people use for you know for making locks and you know for freeing up things that are stuck. Failure. The sooner you fail, the sooner you're going to learn. The sooner you're going to add knowledge. If, if you go through life without failing, if you go through and you're living in a world where you're not allowed to fail. Until you get to a certain point. And I know this is, this is the part of me where I, I think back to when, you know, when I was a kid and there was this whole movement around everybody gets a trophy, nobody fails, everybody finishes first. You know, that mentality, it doesn't always serve. It, it I can see I, it does have a, a nourishing, compassionate, you know, loving community based sort of socialist aspect to it. But that idea that, you know what, sometimes we need the best learnings come from failure and, you know, oh, allow, yeah. a- allowing a child to fail, allowing a child to be disappointed, allowing a child to, and, and not saying it's okay, dear, it's okay, don't cry. That part of it. So that, that sort of, yeah, so that, that's where I would put it. It would be kind of a, you know, maybe it would be on every, you know, on, on every blackboard or every, whatever it is, whiteboard now in every school just says, yeah. don't fear the failure. And, yeah. uh, and sort of embrace that um, as a mindset for, for the youngins out there. Yeah, yeah. If you fail, fail sooner and you'll learn more, which, yeah. you know, fail faster, amazing. I like to say. So. Yeah, fail faster. I love it. I love it. So uh, in closing, what advice or wisdom do you want everybody to remember from today and, and maybe about alcohol or anything else that we just dis- we discussed? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we've covered a lot today, but I think the take home is that, you know, you have this choice. This is something that was, it's within you. And I, again, I'll go to another analogy. I think of it like a video game cartridge from back in the days where, you know, all of the, all of the keys, all of the cues, all of the, all of the, the necessary things that you need to achieve whatever level it is, whatever your definition of success is, lies within you. And to believe in that and to really have, ask yourself that, you know, you, you know, a lot of the things that we get ourselves caught up in emotionally and where we give of our power, right? We give up power to, you know, we, we farm out our needs to people and we give away our power every day, sometimes without knowing it and challenging it and looking for that as part of this process. But also, you know, bringing a positive energy and not a toxic positive energy, but bringing a, a contentment, a comfortable energy to life and, you know, moving forward is 
is going to res- is going to bring opportunities. It's going to bring um, things to you that you know you maybe don't see when you're in those in those dark moments. And again, alcohol, you know, it is it is what it is, right? It exists in society. It's legal in a lot of places at a certain age, and you know we have all these things around drinking responsibly and etc. But we don't have to take it. We don't have to use it. We don't have to drink it. And you know, identifying the reasons why, as I said before. That's asking those questions, starting to ask those questions, starting to get curious. We talked about sober curious movements and things like that. Yeah, just, just start asking those questions. And don't be afraid of the answers that you get either, because those answers, again, if they're if they're negative, as we just talked about, if they're something that you don't like early on, they may lead to some amazing things as you go down the road. So, yeah, getting to the truth of it, and it, you know, being being authentic about it. That's fantastic. Well, you have been wonderful. You have been authentic and uh, bright and shiny and uh, informative. And I just appreciate you being on the podcast. No, I appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Appreciate the work you're doing. Thank you so much. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. To get the show notes and to get links to all the resources that we provide, go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash sober curious. So what I hope you got from that or saw with Mike is one, how he doesn't demonize or judge alcohol, that he shows self-compassion. He's learned self-compassion for himself and he gives compassion to others. I liked his focus on self-awareness, you know, paying attention to how you're feeling, tuning into your body and your mind. I love this idea of giving information and letting people make their own decisions that we're not trying to force anybody to do anything because everybody, we all have our own timing. And I liked the visual of what he talked about around, you know, alcohol. It's, it's like it started out innocent, like a great friendship. You know, the friendship starts out really great. But over time, because they've changed and you've changed, maybe they've become less of a match. Or maybe the dynamic has changed. And so maybe the relationship is is not as good anymore. And so what I love is this time of year is dry January isn't a chance like a relationship for us to just examine it. What's our relationship with alcohol? And so it's so great that they have that free alcohol experiment program where you're looking for data points and they kind of guide you through it. And so we have links to the alcohol experiment as well as links to uh, reaching out to Mike for a discovery call and all kinds of, of input there to share with you. And the last thing I would say about our episode is, I don't know if you could see it, but I certainly could. I'm sure you could see it, is um, how perfectly he matches as a coach. You know, he has the, the insights and the knowledge, and then he has this very caring, giving heart. Um, and, you know, his, his interest and passion was evident. And so it just seemed like if you were curious about sobriety or being alcohol free, he'd be a great person to talk to about it. And so I'm glad he was on the episode. So what I want to mention, I was going to tell a little bit about my journey with alcohol. I was a social drinker. I have been a social drinker over the years, just, you know, just in college, you did the normal fraternity and sorority stuff. And then, you know, working as a professional and traveling, you know, you had have a drink with a meal and I've always been into health and fitness. So it was never, I never had an alcohol problem, but I did find that I was drinking more and it had me question it, question my relationship with alcohol. Um, I have, have taken years off from drinking and said, okay, I think I'm getting a little too social with all of this. I'm just going to stop to prove myself that I, that I don't have cravings and I can't stop myself. And I have done that. 
But I, I realize now that I fell victim to that social conditioning that Mike talks about, not necessarily with my family, but with friends and, and the environment that you're in, especially in corporations, you know, and, and, and then in where we're at now, where it's a lot of people who have a lot of free time and discretionary spending and, you know, alcohol is at the center of every social event. And, you know, it's never talked about that alcohol can be harmful. Um, it's seen as harmless and that is normal and it's fun and there's no consequences. And so, and I, I mentioned this in the discussion, you know, I, it started out, of course, I was curious you know, anytime you're wondering, am I drinking too much, then it's probably something to that question, <laughs> right? I mean, I've never had any of the blacking out or, you know, overdoing necessarily, but also I was wondering, okay, I'm not always feeling so great. I'm not sleeping that great. But what really kicked me off on the finding this naked mind was a family friend was drinking to excess and it was causing problems and there were, you know, and I was trying to help, but I was only going to help and until they asked, you know, I knew I needed them to want to ask me and I would be in the family. I'd probably be the one that they might would ask. And so I thought I need to get some resources. So I'm big into the Peloton, which I mentioned that in the episode. And uh, there's a Peloton Sober Squad group and it's the best group. It's so positive and it's so many people from all levels, people who are, um, you know, need to go to rehab to people who are saying, man, I just think I'm having a couple too many glasses of wine and everything in between. And then the before and afters you'll see with people when they were drinking a lot and then they weren't, you know, the way their faces change and, and the challenge that people had, it caused me to have a lot more empathy and compassion for the family friend that I was wanting to help. And it gave me resources. And the first resource that I found was um, This Naked Mind, because they talk about Quitlet in there. And then people, that name, that kept coming up, that book. And so I listened to it on Audible when I'm commuting back and forth in my car. I'm up in the North Georgia mountains. And anytime I'm going into Atlanta, it's a long drive. And so I listened to it when I'm walking my dogs. And it was amazing. It was so eye-opening. It wasn't for my friend. It was for me. I began to see what alcohol is, you know, what it really is. The media and companies who sell alcohol, you know, promote this myth that it's fun and there are no consequences. And so this naked mind provided clear logic, credible science. And then, of course, the Annie Grace she has, she was an executive with a company, ran a, a big marketing arm and traveled. And so she talks about her experience of, of over drinking. And it was, it was, um, extreme and it was not unlike the family friend. So it was just really spoke to me and it really opened my eyes. And then in that Sober Squad Facebook group with Peloton, a lot of people talk about this podcast. Um, and it's a guy named Andrew Huberman. And he's got a podcast called the Huberman Lab. And I think he has like 4.5 million subscribers. So it's he's pretty popular guy the podcast is um and so he did this he does things very he's a he's a phd neuroscientist tenured professor in the department of neurobiology and psychiatry and behavioral sciences at stanford of medicine and he's made numerous significant contributions to the fields of brain development brain function and neuroplasticity 
easy for someone else to say and not for me. And he just talks about cognitive fun- functioning. And so he did, every episode he does is very interesting because it's very scientific and is very much like a, a neuroscientist would do. Um, but it's personable too. So if you, I put a link to it in the show notes if you're interested. But here's a summary. And he's got the research to back this up. And so I had just read This Naked Mind. And then, of course, I found this. And so for me, I haven't had any alcohol. I've, I've just decided I'm not a drinker. I just don't drink. And it's really been amazing. But one, you know, it's the information that has, has helped me decide, okay, I'm not even going to do this because it's not worth, it's not getting me where I want to go. And here, here's some of the things that Huber, Huberman said, even low and shows through research, even low to moderate drinking, and one to two drinks a day, which if you had a drink a day, seven drinks a week is a lot, but one to two drinks per day, it disrupts the brain. And he goes into great detail about how it disrupts the brain and our thinking. And here's one that's astonishing. For every third of an ounce, that's seven tablespoons. So think of seven tablespoons of alcohol per day. Breast cancer risk goes up 7%. So seven tablespoons is not much. Third of an ounce. And think about people are knocking back one, two, three drinks a day. Um, there's a lot of cancer risk there. And you think about how much cancer there is out there. And is, and interestingly enough, Huberman points out that alcohol was cl- declared a carcinogenic or carcinogenic in 1988. So they've always said it contributes to cancer. But you know what? I never read that. I'm 59 years old. Two years ago, when I first was reading This Naked Mind, that's the first time I'd ever, ever really heard, okay, this contributes to cancer. It's not blatantly out there. You know, no one talks about it. So uh, he also talks about if you have relatives who were chronic abusers, people will be likely be predisposed. So my parents weren't big drinkers, but their parents were. Um, and so that's not highly relevant to me, but still it's, it's in the chain. You know, it's not totally free there. He talks about how alcohol disrupts gut health, and he goes into great detail about that, about, you know, your digestion. And I'm really into wanting to be fit and healthy. So that was a... Like, okay, I don't want that. It disrupts sleep quality even after just one drink. And that made a lot of sense to me because as I've gotten older, that's an issue. Alcohol decreases testosterone. It can diminish sex drive. And then the other thing that we hear in the media is about reservatol in red wine, you know, that's healthy, like what you get in grapes. And he says to get that benefit, you have to drink a lot. You have to have a lot of red wine in order to get the benefit of resveratrol. And you can get that in, in just eating fruits and vegetables and, you know, other things. And it's not the prime way to get it in red wine. Um, and then the last thing that is, have I've really noticed is it increases fat storage. So getting heavier and heavier. And if you look around, people who are in their 50s and 60s are heavier. And if they're drinkers, they're heavier more. And so since I saw that a lot on the Peloton Sober Squad, people show their face to face, you know, or they show, you know, this was me two years ago and here's me now. Um, Their weight loss is incredible because um, of the disruption. And then Huberman talks about the mechanics of it and the biology of it and, you know, the science of it at, at all throughout his whole episode. So it's really powerful. Look for it in the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash sober curious. And then he talks about the best alcohol to drink is no alcohol. And so that's where I've landed. And that's not for everybody. But my reasons for not drinking are health, fitness, weight, and sleep. I want to sleep better. I want to 
and I'm back, I weigh weigh my col- my high school college weight now, uh, but that wasn't the case a couple years ago because I would, was working out, but I didn't sleep as well, and you know even the little bit of alcohol I was having on the weekends or maybe one or two during the week was having an impact. And I have found personally that I feel better, I think better, everything is better. And then something that Huberman says and that I just kind of adopted is alcohol creates more problems than it fixes. So that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, I'm not saying that I'm never going to have a glass of wine again, but for right now, it's just easier. One less decision to make is, yep, I don't drink. And it's been interesting to go over the last couple of years and, and go through Christmas and holidays and parties and out with your high school friends and, you know, out with your buddies who you used to do that with, change that dynamic. And it has been super easy, surprisingly easy. So interesting perspective. I want to share it with you. I want you to check out our links and resources to everything we talked about today, the Huberman podcast, This Naked Mind. I also shared some stress management tools from our Wake Up Eager Tips page. And a couple of them are just different different tools, different podcasts. There's also a complimentary assessment because, you know, part of the reason when, when Mike was talking about asking why you drink, sometimes it's about managing our stress and so a lot of, you know, we, we get stressed. And so then we think if we drink, we're going to feel better. And so if we can get out of being stressed and man- be able to manage our time. And there's a podcast that I talked about, about daily tune-in time and things that help me realign. Uh, maybe some of that will be helpful. There's an ebook there. You'll, you'll find that in the show notes. It's the Wake Up Eager Tips page stress management tool. So check all that out. And um, I like this quote, and I will share it with you close with that. And it's from Abraham Hicks. That's one of the inspirational people that I listen to and have listened to for probably 20 years. I mean, they really helped me with and understanding energy and managing my own focus. And so and they're very uplifting and very intentional about the power of the individual to be all that they can be. And so this is one of their statements. You intended to discover a way to feel good no matter what. Because you have the facility, you have the power, you have the ability to focus, you have the ability to choose where you focus, therefore you have the ability to offer vibration differently, therefore you have the ability to choose the way you feel, but it takes some practice. And so I think the way I felt about alcohol as being something fun and something that was just a part of my life, and it came when I sat down at a nice restaurant to have dinner, all of that, you know, when I'm out with my girlfriends or out with my husband, and all of that has changed, and we get to choose, and, and a lot of times information can help us. So hopefully this information has been a resource for you, um, and hope you'll consider Dry January for the Sober Curious, see if that's a match for you, uh, and reach out to Mike if you want to do a discovery call. You can find all those links at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Sober Curious. Thanks for tuning in to the Wake Up Eagle Workforce podcast. Thank you for being a listener. Be happy if you left us a review and uh, let me know, and I'll send you a complimentary assessment. And just go forth, live the life you want to live, um, make great decisions, and just be happy. Take care. Thanks. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 